0: They're taking what you're saying to them, and they're hoping that you are what you talk. Let's be about everything we drop because we're going to get tested on it. If, if, if the people on the street don't test us on it, God's going to test us oh,
1: the truth. Kill the Mockingbird. Truth to report with Sean Chris and Sebastian Farr. Kick his ass, Seabag. Wake up! Wake, wake up, America. Wake the fuck up. We'll get it. the
2: fuck up.
3: Yo... What is up, y'all? Welcome to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbird. I'm your host, Sean Chris, with my co-host, my homeboy, Sebastian Farr, a.k.a. Seabass. What's good with you, my man? Uh, not not a whole lot of new uh, news.
4: Got back from vacation, had a, a great time off the grid, you know, no cell phone service, uh, way out there in the cuts uh, up in the Lost Coast. So it was uh, really good to kind of get away like that for a while. Much um, needed. Much needed, but uh I'm back in action and ready to go. Uh looking forward to this episode. There's been a lot happening this last week in particular.
3: Yeah, I got a lot of clips. Before we get into that, I would just want to give a shout out for that song I was playing in the beginning. That's my homies uh single shadow team uh on the rapping and uh my homie uh, King Mega on the productions, uh the world shadows of the end. That that yeah, mixed emotions. So yeah, shout out to them. Uh trying to play more of the homie shit since uh they won't sue me. <laughs> yeah, they, you won't get hit with those copyrights, hopefully. <laughs> and I wanted to start off too. I got my clips. So I'm going to run it like that. I wanted to start off with a uh, rest in peace. I think she died a few uh, uh, a few days ago. I think, like. The 30th, uh, apparently. Yeah, about a week ago or so. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows her. Rosa uh, Correa or Correa? It's Corey. Corey, Corey, Corey. She passed away. And uh, so I got a couple clips of her that I wanted to play real quick because I think it's important that. All the work she did, especially on Agenda 21, you know, it's uh, super important. I'm going to start off with her first clip of just her introducing herself and when she's talking about walking away from the Democratic Party.
5: Hi, I'm Rosa Corey with the Post-Sustainability Institute and Democrats Against UN Agenda 21. And I'm making this video as walk away SF Bay, hashtag walk away SF Bay. that's for those of us who have been registered Democrats, voted Democrat, voted for the Democrat Party, considered ourselves liberals. Even many of us have called ourselves progressives for a long time. And then um, somehow or another, through some incident, through some event, through some Uh, final moment of not being able to deal with what's happened with the Democrat Party, uh, we've decided to walk away from it. Like
3: Pat said, you know, uh, from uh conspiracy farm they got an episode i think he said 150 with them on there she that's a great episode to listen to too because i
4: think it's 151 or it might be 150 i'm not sure yeah
3: 150 or 151 just go check out conspiracy farm that's a great one uh and i also got a man i can't believe i forgot this dude's podcast i mean, hopefully you'll be able to do it it's that two minutes uh where she explains agenda 21 in two minutes i'm gonna play that real quick Uh, just to kind of give a refresher of all the work that she's done. She's a pioneer in a lot of this. And to remember that she didn't, she's not just some person that's sitting in their basement or like just thinking of ideas. She fell into this. It just like Robert Kennedy jr. And people like that, that they weren't just looking for stuff. They were doing other things. Cause I think she was in like a real estate and zoning. If I, if I'm not, uh, yeah, I
4: have a little excerpt from her website. I'll just read it off real quick. Uh, just let, let her word speak for herself, you know? Um, Ms. Corey was a retired forensic commercial real estate appraiser specializing in eminent domain valuation. Her 28-year career with the California Department of Transportation uh, District Branch Chief as an expert witness on land use uh, has culminated in exposing the impacts of sustainable development on private property rights and individual liberty. Um, And she ended up uh, working with a community organized group to kind of prevent eminent domain being used to redevelop uh residential areas kind of more suburban type areas but uh it it in her her course of going through the system and and witnessing all this she fully exposed uh that there's a greater you know agenda through the united nations uh, agenda 21 if anyone hasn't looked at look, looked it up themselves and she's the author of a very good book uh, i'd highly recommend it uh, behind the green mask u.n agenda 20 uh, 21.
3: perfect man perfect segue and this is just her little breakdown of a two minutes of kind of explaining agenda 21 and what it is
6: you were considered to be a top expert on agenda 21 uh, and your work has been invaluable in bringing this u.n agenda to light Now, for those of you, uh, the viewers out there who may not exactly know what Agenda 21 is, could you please provide us a a brief overview of this program?
5: Sure. Agenda 21 um, is the action plan. It's the blueprint, the comprehensive plan that was uh, signed on to by 178 nations plus the Holy See in 1992. It's the United Nations plan. And uh, it's a plan to inventory and control all land, water, plants, minerals, construction, means of production, food, um, energy, uh, everything on the planet, law enforcement, education, and, of course, information and human beings. So uh, this is, you know a comprehensive plan of action, an inventory and control plan. It's about data sharing. It's about uh, money, Transferring from the developed nations to the lesser developed nations. And ultimately, it's about destroying uh, your ability to have a voice, uh, destroying your ability to have representative government. It's about changing your government to governance and taking away your voice, giving your, uh, your, you know, entirely destroying your ability to be free and to be independent. And the goal, of course, is to transfer power from uh, local and, uh, individuals to a global governance system. So you can't do that all at once, and it's been a long process. Uh, and you see it as, uh, you know, exactly what you're seeing right now. It's a plan to disrupt and destroy the existing system. It's a plan of transformation and control. And that's what we're living through right now what is happening now is that the technology has caught up to the plans of these people. They've always had these same plans that there is literally nothing that holds these people back. So when they have the technological ability and, you know, you look at the fourth industrial revolution or whatever it is, they want to call it. They're talking about total digital connectivity. They're talking about a new social contract.
3: And, you know, that's basically the, the logist of the great reset, the 2030, the agenda 21. but, a uh, big rest in peace to her, man, because it that's a a, a huge like uh, pillar that like thank God that she was able to plant so many seeds. Like I think that was uh, something that we should acknowledge. She passed on a lot of seeds, and that has gr- and they're starting to grow. You know, like I I've studied her work. Other people have studied it even in more depth. You know, and uh, it sucks when we lose people like that. We've been losing uh, pretty big uh, members uh, in the truther community that are powerful voices and. Uh, good reputations you know what i'm saying and that's part of it
4: yeah uh real tragedy honestly but you know may she rest easy and uh madam Corey, uh much love and respect for all the work that you did for us uh really exposing it from the inside out uh we need much more of that sort of uh, bravery and integrity in our society this day and age um because They're the ones who can expose it the most and wake the most people up. And she she did the you know, she did the most. She woke me up in a big way. Um, I stumbled across her back in 2013, 2014. And I mean, it strikes close to home because she was only a county away from me. And you kind of see it, too. And it's very much come to the fore now with all the shenanigans that the World Economic Forum has been pushing forward over the last couple of years and uh, at, at the moment as well. In current
3: events, and, and uh, for someone that asked, her name is uh, Rosa Corey. Rosa Corey, just check That's right. her out. K, uh, K-O-I-R-E. Yeah, check her out. And then um, that kind of leads me into like, so I kind of set it up like that. So I wanted to start off with this good old clip of
0: one of the largest meat producers in the world is the latest victim of a cyber attack that could drive up prices for consumers this time during peak barbecue season.
3: So now there, you know, there's that J. Uh, that JBS hack of the meat plant and it reminded me of our good old buddy and like we've talked about it but I thought you know we gotta hear him say it again you know I know I have posted it but why not keep pushing it in everybody's head our good old buddy
1: Klaus Schwab the supervillain we all know but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic.
3: It's not a coincidence that he said this last year. It was like, what, eight months ago-ish? Maybe I'm a little bit off on the timeline, but I know it was past summer. It was mid-summer to past summer when he announced it. I want to say in fall, but I'm not sure. Uh and then now all these cyber attacks we have uh uh cyber attacks everywhere now we have the white house right here also talking about the cyber attacks.
6: And the White House has issued an urgent warning after an alarming rise in cyber attacks. It's urging companies to take immediate steps to protect themselves, saying no company is safe after hackers targeted a major meat supplier, the transportation industry and a critical gas pipeline. As ABC's Whit Johnson reports, federal authorities are now vowing to treat cyber attacks with the same urgency as terrorist attacks. And the White House is promising that cybersecurity is a top priority. The Justice Department now says when a cyber attack does happen, an urgent report notification will then be blasted out to law enforcement across the country, telling them to be on alert. Our thanks there to Whit Johnson. In the past year, an estimated $350 million have been paid to hackers after ransomware attacks. Experts are calling for a crackdown on digital currencies, which have allowed hackers to be paid without a trace.
3: You hear that? Digital currencies. And a lot of the, a couple other clips I got to attach to this story is with the digital currency because you can tell, like, they've already had some. Uh, I didn't get to play it last week because, you know, you were on vacation. So we kind of just went off the cuff with me and Flo. Um, but I had a couple clips too, but I didn't play them of the Fed talking about, you know, they're trying to find that they're doing um, research on how a cryptocurrency would work, you know, a, a digital currency, not to get rid of the dollar allegedly, but, you know, uh, that's what they want to do and they want to centralize it and there are all these attack on bitcoins which is going to lead me into the first attack on bitcoin with elon musk uh i put this on my page i just clipped a little 30 seconds of it the uh anonymous uh calling out elon musk
0: reading from the comments on your twitter posts it seems that the games you have played with the crypto markets have destroyed lives millions of retail investors were really counting on their crypto gains to improve their lives This is something that you will never understand because you were born into the stolen wealth of a South African apartheid emerald mine and have no clue what struggle is like for most of the working people in the world. Of course, they took the risk upon themselves when they invested, and everyone knows to be prepared for volatility in crypto, but your tweets this week show a clear disregard for the average working person. As hardworking people have their dreams liquidated over your public temper tantrums, you continue to mock them with memes from one of your million dollar mansions. You may think you are the smartest person in the room, but now you have met your match. We are Anonymous. We are Legion. Expect us.
3: First of all, Anonymous is a joke in my opinion. Um, where are you on the Bill Gates issue? Where are you on the the Wuhan lab leaks? Where are you on all the emails you could be doing? They're... they're uh, uh, in my opinion, I've been saying this for a long time, for a lot of years. They're federal informants. They work with the feds. They, they're they're a professional antagonists, like a lot of these influencers we see online. And I, I never have trusted them. Uh, they kind of co-opted the... Uh, uh, The uh, the, uh, occupy wall street movement that's kind of like that where they got their fame from and then they just had some little hacks here and there like they were remember there was the my the xbox hacking xbox live thing i only know because my brother was and then they was like yeah cheering them on so that's when they got like their cult following and i found it funny that uh anonymous is talking about um elon musk culty following when they have a culty following that just Follows whatever they think there's some kind of superheroes that are going to save the world when they haven't done jack shit. They're they're super leftists. To me, that's why I always that Q kept, was like a psyop too because it it was like the other head of Anonymous. It was the right Anonymous and the left Anonymous. That's how I looked at it, at it as. And isn't it funny that if they're so against the system, how come they've never been taken off Twitter or any account? They're always up. They're always running uh looks like they're fucking with our shit right now pausing you up, <laughs> they, what's up?
4: yeah you you were frozen for a sec but uh the audio was coming through good keep going yeah and
3: i'm just saying like that's what it looks like to me is nothing and then they maybe they were good organizations and they got co-opted i don't know if The whole,
4: i think that's how it started it was actually kind of grassroots off of uh, anonymous boards on on the web but it got either co-opted subverted or maybe it was just kind of uh seeds planted by people in high places um to create it uh, and, and give it more them. legitimate yeah. and
3: kind of guiding it. get yeah exactly
4: exactly um yeah I, I totally agree with you um any issue and it's always very much linked to the left side of things so but I mean they did have some good points about Elon Musk um however it just seems interesting it's almost just like like a good form of theater at this point every time anonymous pops up uh you know every four to six months
3: (laughs) well they were even in hiding longer than that remember that we didn't hear for them for a couple years
4: for certain periods yeah it's been like years yeah it's weird how uh that is you know that they take such a long period of time off and only pop up on these very uh particular topics
3: yeah it seems very strategical because like there's a lot of uh, like you said they are right like the, the st- stuff that we've been saying for a while about Elon Musk and the whole electric car thing and the the slave trade and and the uh we I think we just spoke about it like 2 weeks before uh, like r- right before you went on vacation we were talking about it and I just found it interesting man did they did they steal from us no i was kidding.
4: <laughs> I mean who knows uh There was a lot of people talking about it because, you know, he was kind of manipulating the market with his various uh, business practices and tweeting and uh, tweets and stuff on social media. You know, he was saying they were going to accept Bitcoin for in in terms of uh, purchases for Tesla products, but then backed out on that kind of causing a dip in itself. Then coincidentally, a bunch of uh, the super elite wealthy folks, you know, uh, bought in. So it's interesting
3: theory. Yeah, it's it's super interesting because. I think um, people are trying to uh, figure out this whole crypto thing and he's pushing it his way and and now he's exposing his hand as being part of the establishment and just an elitist that he's always been. And that's what it seems that it's going to continue to be.
4: Yeah, I agree. Um, I kind of want to go back to the cyber polygon or at least the World Economic Forum and the, the whole uh, hacking. Oh, you're and- good because I still got a couple more hacking shits. So yeah, yeah. On. So yeah, go, go. Um, for me though, I find it... Uh, a point that brings up a lot of questions for me is, uh, you know, they've got the Colonial Pipeline hack, and apparently there was a second follow-up hack uh, more recently with them. And then they go after, you know, the largest uh, distributor of beef in the nation. The, you know, if you were a uh, environmentalist, globalist, you'd be pretty happy about all this stuff, I would imagine. It goes pretty hand-in-hand with the whole Great Reset, uh, nonsense, in my opinion, and um, I think it was uh, very much a false flag. All all these series of attacks, they go after particular industries that are uh, disliked by the environmentalist community.
3: And we've also shown that their, uh that the pipeline hack was all they got into was the billing. They only got into right. the billing. They were Colonial not in control pipeline of shutting down the pipelines themselves. It wasn't even themselves. The hack. Exactly, and that that's the point that is keep getting missed by the media, of course, intentionally. But that's what we got to focus on. Why did they shut it down? Uh, to me, it, it seems like they wanted to uh, account for some of this inflation and price rate uh, right uh, gouging that's going on, especially at the pump, because of the f- initial pipeline shutdown. So they needed to make something fabricated look. And then we already knew about a meat shortage coming. This is this has been something that I've heard because I know some people that work at like Michigan Wolverine uh, packing. You know, they do uh, meat packing and they had already told me that there's going to be some meat shortages because of pricing and this and that. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, there's a JBS the one of the largest uh, meat distributors in the United States gets hacked. And now we're supposed to pretend like, oh, yeah, this is a, a thing that's always happening And it's nothing we talked about much. And now that we've talked about it and bringing it up to light, it's bringing it something that is now going to be the new terrorist with like the domestic terror. So you got to worry about that. Now we're going to have to worry about hackers. It's this constant living in fear to get us to push the narrative that they want, the authoritarianism full throttle. That's what I think it is all about. And I even think um, the Bitcoin and the Trump uh, uh, whole thing tie into it because it's swaying everybody into these. Uh, super tribalistic uh, and um, echo chambery culty kind of vibes going around of people believing in something no matter what. And it's like, well, we're not here. To, I thought we weren't here to believe anything. We're just here to try to find truth. I don't know anything. I just read some stuff. I question things and I try to figure out what might be going on. And I think that these t- these attacks are going to be uh focused on and then it's going to be used for climate change that's what i think i think it's going to turn into uh, a climate change cyber attack emergency and then they're going to use it like that
4: i think bitcoin is it, it's a bit of a mystery for me anyway um the recent development of el salvador saying they were going to adopt it as a legal form of currency in their country uh going away from the usd which is a uh, interesting trend in itself we saw that with uh russia taking out all of their. Uh, U.S. reserve currency in favor of gold. Um, And I've heard it said uh, Bitcoin is very much the gold of cryptocurrency. And I think right now it's about a struggle for what would be the U.S. dollar of the cryptocurrency. And that's what the World Economic Forum and the globalists really want to push as a governed, world-recognizable digital currency that has that similar sort of value which they can probably tie to uh the petrodollar in a way. But uh they want something that they can control that's not blockchain that's not uh cent- or decentralized. they want it uh you know all the power to themselves.
3: Yeah, and this clip will uh, that I'll end out with the whole JBS uh hack or is uh from NPR I believe and then and then they kind of end out with bitcoin and I thought that that kind of ties it all in together.
1: It really looks like the hackers have the upper hand here. How have they moved so far ahead of governments and companies trying to defend against these hacks?
6: the hackers have really built a very lucrative and largely risk-free system. Uh, One group develops the malware, then they supply it to other groups to carry out the actual attacks. It's often a very simple phishing operation. Attackers just need one company employee with a weak password who gets tricked into handing over a password. Then the hackers are inside the computer system. They freeze it up and demand ransom. The criminals get paid anonymously in cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. It's To trace, and they operate from countries like Russia, where they aren't prosecuted.
1: Could those cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin be uh, an avenue to limiting or preventing these hacks?
6: Well, I asked uh, Dmitry Alperovitch. He's a cybersecurity expert who runs the Silverado Policy Accelerator. He says the U.S. government needs to regulate cryptocurrencies just like other large banking transactions, with all the parties fully identified
3: by requiring any player that is performing transfers from currency like U.S. dollars into uh,
6: Bitcoin to provide their identification, provide their passport information, their driver's license,
3: etc., will allow them to start tracking these payments and determine who they are ultimately reaching. And they can track it, man. IP addresses. Come on, man. We have the intelligent agencies. But like you said, the whole goal is to centralize a digital currency. And they know they can't just throw it on people. So they've been putting all kinds of different cryptos out there, playing with the market, different countries have been playing. It's going to happen, but we're I think the real fight and the beauty of what people buy into the crypto like the XRPs, the Dogecoin, the Bitcoin, whatever you go after is because people don't want a decentral. Uh, they want a decentralized currency, not a a centralized one and that's the fight right now uh, as far as we go of cur- uh, currencies. <laughs>
4: Uh, Certainly so And one thing he said was interesting Is that the use of Bitcoin was untraceable But yet they were so uh, Quick to point out that they're Russian hackers But I have yet to really see proof of that And with the ability in this day and age If you are educated enough You can bounce IPs off of Anywhere in the world Uh, You know People see them all the time Advertisements on YouTube for VPNs uh, Virtual private network there's, it's just so coincidental or convenient, I guess it was a, a better word, that they can point it, the finger directly to Russian hackers. I think it's much more likely that it's either domestic, Chinese, uh, Iranian, it could be a bunch of other things. But they always want to spin it their way, you know, Russia is the big bad. But I, I don't really see that. actually have a, an interesting article for that if we want to segue into that. Yeah, for, uh, Russia's foreign minister it said capital rioters are being persecuted, setting the stage for a tense summit between Putin and Biden. Russia's foreign secretary, Sergei Lavrov, has said that rioters who took part in the January 6th attack on the capital are being persecuted by the U.S. government. Lavrov made the remarks at a press conference on Monday in Moscow in which he discussed the planned summit between President Joe Biden and Russia's President Vladimir Putin. Later this month in Geneva, ahead of the meeting, Biden has said that he will challenge Putin on Russia's human rights record. Quote, we are ready to talk. We have no taboo topics. Uh, We will discuss whatever we think is necessary. We will be ready to answer the questions that America's side will raise. This also applies to human rights, said Lavrov. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's interesting because... Uh, I think he, uh, you know, Foreign Secretary for Russia, Sergey Lavrov, has a point. Um, I do think that there's an unfair application of the law to people who were arrested as a result of actions on January 6th. You know, you see uh, leftist DAs get, uh, releasing violent uh, leftist rioters, but they're throwing the absolute book at these guys who, you know, some of them were walked in by D.C. police into the Capitol building. So it just shows that there's an argument to be made by the Russian Foreign Secretary about a uh, bit of a human rights problem within the U.S., not just uh, as the Biden administration would like to point the finger at uh, Russia for that.
3: Yeah, and the whole Russia excuse is so old now. And especially if you're, like, older, I would think it's super old with the whole Cold War. If you've lived through that, I'm sure that, like, Russia, Russia, it's always Russia. And you, he does have a point because if you're being chased after because of your politics, not because of what you actually did, because if some people, which we've seen through over the summer, people riot and burn things down and be let out. So obviously, even though me and you don't have to, we have no horse in either fight, right? But when you just look at it logically, like, dude, that guy walked through the ropes. That guy burned down a police station. And then you see the FBI going out hardcore on this guy. And then this guy, all right, slap on the wrist. Get out of here. That's obviously a human rights violation when you're picking party over humanity.
4: <laughs> They're little uh, political prisoners, really. Um And it's a shame to actually see that happening now. Uh, There was a lot of fear of it with the rhetoric coming from both sides, but, you know, to actually see it happen is crazy. Uh, Hopefully they can get out of there. I mean, from what I've been hearing from some reports is that they're getting pretty rough treatment in there. It's like solitary confinement. I mean, prison itself is definitely no pleasant experience. But when it's on, you know, debatable political grounds and you're a political prisoner, it's it's wrong. And, you know, I'll stand by it. I think it should uh, apply equally the law to uh, everyone, whatever your affiliation is.
3: And and I agree. And also, we need to stop with this whole acting like the Capitol Six was some 9-11 Pearl Harbor event. It was not it was not even close. Like, yes, it's sad that Ashley Babbitt passed away. Um, And there, I heard there was, I think, in Portland or somewhere, maybe Seattle, there was a, a vigil and there was a clash between, I think, Proud Boys and Antifa, as usual, you know, stuff that we've pointed out before. But there was nothing going on, man. Like, you saw people walking through the ropes. We've said it time and time again. Like, if they were going to trash stuff, they should have trashed stuff. The old ladies, like, and they were let in. There's videos of cops letting them in of all aspects, like, letting them in with the gates in the front, letting them actually having a conversation with a cop and saying, yeah, okay, just be peaceful. Yeah, yes, yeah. And that's the things that are uh, are like, come on, man. You're making it political, and then you're pretending it's not. And the media is playing a part of this, and they constantly do, and they're stirring the pot as usual so that they can keep us at uh, at each other's throats because then the conservatives go, that's bullshit. Why is they treating this guy like this? And then they see what happens on the left. So, of course, they're going to be more uh, of ready to attack someone on the left because they're like, look how they're treated differently. And they're trying to constantly play this game, which they've done for decades and decades, which we see because it works. It works for against people. And you, you do unfair things to some people, but you make it seem like it is fair to other people. So then they they kind of clash and, and it's this constant I just don't see why people don't see through it as much but I think more people are but it's we're not going to hear the media ever tell us the truth I I think that that we should already know that because with uh, uh kind of going to this little segment uh I don't have any clips of it I just thought we should talk about it uh the whole Fauci email thing you know uh when it first came out when I cuz it came out like uh during like at night cuz I was asleep when they, someone had released when I had started seeing the releases I saw in the morning and when I looked it up right away, I saw like CNN, uh, uh MSN, like all these like big mainstream left media sites, they were like, you know, basically their summary of all the emails was Fauci was a busy man. He couldn't even always answer emails. He but no, he even answered emails in the middle of the night. Like like he's such a hero or something. And I think that his, his emails have showed us everything, but the only now you're only hearing it on the right. So it's like the same thing that we're seeing because, like, the echo chambers, it seems like they've been closed off and, and there's no coming in or out of it. And, yeah, it's being exposed on, like, Fox News, but you're still not really hearing as much on CNN. I did see something the other day. I was flipping through CNN, and uh, they had a couple people on, though, about the vaccine, and they were questioning it they were like really like kind of pushing more for civil liberties and like there's adverse reactions. So, and these were just like random people. Like, I guess they must've found off the street, but they were going against the narrative and that was r- shocking to say the least uh, to see it on CNN, but they're not really going after Fauci. They're saying that we should just trust Fauci. So here's our uh, good friend. Uh, what's her name? Um, Jen, Jen jensaki Jen Psaki bomb. She uh, had, I didn't get the whole clip. I, I had the whole clip on my page if you want to check it out. Um, the I only got a little portion of it, but the last portion I didn't clip and I for should have. But when he asked her, when Peter asked her, hey, do, is there any reason, any circumstance that you would ever fi- see firing Fauci? And she said, no himself and answering questions on these emails and uh, questions that you all may have.
5: Dr. Fauci is a renowned public servant, uh, civil servant, I should say, career civil servant. Uh, He's overseen management of multiple global health crises and attacks attacks launched on him are certainly something we wouldn't stand by.
3: They wouldn't stand by. So let's take a little trip down memory lane a year from now. Let's see what Fauci was uh, saying.
6: How do they know who to trust? Uh, Mo, th- that's a good question. And it's, it's difficult, you know, to, um, give you a definitive answer except that for the most part, I believe, for the most part, you can trust respected medical authorities. Uh, you know, I believe I'm
1: one of them. So I think <laughs> you can trust me. Um, but I, I would stick with.
3: <laughs> he was saying he's a trusted, uh, Uh, source of authority which uh, i found funny uh that was a year ago you know he was he's flip-flopped so much if if we we got to put a super clip together of how much he's flip-flopped and put a timeline of it that would be a good thing for someone to do if anybody's bored and needs a project go find you all the dr fauci clips yeah get all those things together, all those clips together and And show how much he's flip-flopped and how much he's lied. Not just like, oh, I didn't know. Like straight up, flat out. Yeah, like his. uh,
4: there's plenty of emails that contradict on a very close timeline to uh, his statements in the media. And there's a few very uh, key things in there that are not being paid attention to by the media or at least not the left media mainstream media but um, the main one was the that they were funding the the eco alliance and the eco alliance was funding the wuhan lab for the gain of research studies um and then that same doctor dr Dazik, the british fella um he was the same person they sent in to go do a, a WHO inspection of the site, and of course three hours later they come back saying there was no uh, no way the virus was released from the lab which uh, I think was one of the most telling stories out of the whole email leaks as far as what I saw, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a certain term that, you know, a certain high crime, I forget what it's called exactly it rhymes with season, reason uh treason Uh, i mean working with the ccp to create biological weapons that you know whether it was deliberate or not i think it was uh that killed millions of people around the world
3: i i absolutely agree with you and kind of segues me into uh when you speak of bioweapons i found this clip uh one of the canadian news uh, stations and they're talking about like some uh ebola virus being sent to wuhan from canada suspicious It's alarming, it's frightening, it's perhaps life-threatening.
0: Amir Adaran is both a legal and medical expert who says Ottawa needs to explain what happened. There's no
5: reason for Ottawa to be secretive about this. We already know that they've sent Ebola virus to, to China and that they're working with the Chinese military scientists. This is known. What else are they hiding
0: CBC News has learned that months before being escorted out of Canada's highest security microbiology lab, federal scientist Jian Go Chu sent 30 vials of 15 different strains of Ebola and Hennepa virus to Wuhan, China. Coronavirus was not a part of that shipment. Access to information documents show the head of the lab in Winnipeg and his bosses in Ottawa had questions, asking in emails where the package was going, what was inside, and if it had the proper paperwork. The Public Health Agency of Canada says this shipment is not connected to the ongoing RCMP and internal investigation but it won't say what is.
5: One of the leading reasons that China might want to have a large catalogue of Ebola genetic material is because they're doing what's called gain-of-function experiments. And what that means are experiments that make the virus more dangerous or more deadly. It's a sort of research that we don't do in Canada that is frowned upon in most parts of the world, and I'm afraid we may just have helped them.
0: This former diplomat says the vacuum of information is a concern. Is this a serious problem, a minor problem, an administrative oversight, something more sinister? There's also a danger if you don't provide information that people will jump
4: always to the worst conclusion.
0: No one from the lab, from Health Canada or the Public Health Agency of Canada would comment on this story. And we've never been able to reach Jian Chu. Karen Pauls, CBC News, Winnipeg.
3: That's, like, a pretty bombshell to me, man. Uh, it's the same thing what they were doing at Fort Detrick. Yeah,
4: let's just give them more viruses to play yeah, with and, there. Yeah,
3: and it, don't, it kind of, like, sheds light on those documents we had talked about, uh, that clip we played about the documents from China since 2015. Excuse me. They have been uh, researching bioweapons and different viruses, and this has been something they've been at play, at, and I think this is a strategy for them to uh, take over – uh, to be the number one country, you know the the pretty much that's what the push is to be the the spoke the voice the 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 voice box of the world, you know the the new regime of this one world government. How it will look is going to be totally different. It's not it's going to be states. I mean, countries are still going to be countries, but it's going to be like how America is right now. It's just the changing of the guard, and I think China's pushing hard to get that.
4: I agree. Um, It's, I mean, and they say it themselves in their own media. You know, they want to push to be the dominant force in the global hedge money. But I mean, you see it part and parcel. uh, There's, you know, a big push by the media to go for this and digital IDs. That you compare that with the vaccine passports and a number of other dystopian uh, authoritarian programs that they want to push on. Every country across the world, you know, whether they have a little uh, national flag with it and their various version of it in that local locale, um, it's going to be a very similar system they push down and they want to use the most authoritarian measures they can. And the CCP has been putting that in place in their country for quite a while now. And I have an interesting article t- oh, tying to the Wuhan lab. Uh, I'll just go through the headline though. Uh, Rand Paul and Pompeo warn Wuhan lab still running uh, involved with bioweapons. So it's still going to this
1: day.
3: Yeah, see, and like now knowing too that they're getting Ebola virus from Canada, you don't think they're trying to make that into a weapon. So they tried, maybe they were trying with uh, the common cold to see if they could put legs on it, see how effective it could be, see what it could do. And maybe that's what Bill Gates is referring to when he chuckles about, oh, the next one, they'll really, they'll really understand the next one. They'll take that one seriously. Maybe that's what made him so giddy because he knows that Ebola is such a much more powerful of a virus that can really knock people out. Like You know what I mean? Like You're talking about – a that's something that we would have to fear. The mortality rate is so much for higher sure. for us.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would be I would be very afraid of a scenario like that. And it should be a warning. And the word needs to go out to the world community as a whole. Uh, I didn't even know that story until you brought it up. The fact of the matter is giving them any more bioweapons to play with uh, after this whole you know, SARS-2
3: COVID debacle is uh, madness. Highest form of madness Totally madness And then that um, I also found a commercial For a new vaccine on the market From Johnson & Johnson
0: So listen I first started working with Johnson & Johnson Because of their work in HIV They've been at it for over 30 years Developing medicine That allows people to live normal lives With HIV educating people about how to protect themselves from HIV, training doctors and nurses, raising public awareness. And now, they are working to develop an exploratory vaccine that could one day prevent HIV altogether. After successful trials in Africa, clinical trials are about to start in the U.S. and Europe. How awesome is that? You go, Johnson & Johnson. Johnson and you thought they were just a baby company.
4: Brought to you by Johnson & Johnson.
3: <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, man, that was their Johnson & Johnson commercial for an HIV vaccine. It, I think it's almost like they're trying to prove because that's something that a lot of the vax, com- the anti-vax community has pushed out there. Is like, oh, they've never made a H, you know, a, a AIDS vaccine, a HIV vaccine, and it's just getting out of hand because it's, it's funny because I'm reading um, uh, Brave New World right now. <laughs> Great book. Like I'm rereading it and I'm like, wow, man. This... And then you're just thinking, like, dude, this was like, you would think you would think that he wrote this like ten years ago, five years ago, and you're like, wow, man, this was like literally like seventy years ago like <laughs> yeah
4: incredible um i like the idea of a book club you know maybe we should get into reading like uh books and maybe discussing those at like a little portion of a episode or something because cool. i
3: am trying to push myself to read more I've, i got a bunch of books i mean i'm reading through the brave new world just kind of trying to push because it's you get so used to using your phone you know you're like oh, like so i've been like trying to make time to read i got brave new world Yeah, I use those at work. And then I got uh, 1984 again because I was like, I got to reread these just to like soak in what's happening in the times. And then I got a couple other books. I got like uh, a book from Chomsky. I get a lot of different political books like of all spectrums. um, So I could kind of see what they were thinking at those times and what narratives they were pushing and why we're in this political world we're in now from all the philosophers that have pushed these uh, political parties through the years and try to raise them up. And now they see even the ones they were pushing are now part of the problem. And I think I could see a little bit of the seeds that they try to plant. And maybe that will help me understand why people are so rooted into those values. I got a little clip of uh, one of the CDC, uh, someone that works at the CDC, one of the CDC doctors was at the Red Sox game, and she threw out the first pitch, and I thought it was pretty funny, like how they kind of really celebrated her, almost as if she was, uh, you know, one of our supreme leaders Would herself. You please
6: welcome the 19th director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Catching Dr. Walensky's pitch is Christian Vasquez. Okay, let's see a strike. Thank you, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, for all that you and everyone at the CDC does to protect our safety, health, and security at home
3: and abroad. I'm probably just gonna like jump off because like it just keeps cutting us off. Like it sucks. Like so I try to hold it because I'm hoping like if it was small loads, it would be perfect. Because that one day, remember we were going through the loads and we were making it, but today they're just like nah they're getting you like, like a whole minute, two minutes. Uh, like, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh, we'll try to either, uh, come back on tonight, but it's a little bit late. If we don't come on tonight, we'll probably do another episode maybe during the week or something and try to like see if we could, uh, fill in some of these blanks, but I'll chop up this episode and throw it up on the, uh, on the Spotify and the Apple and all that good stuff. So, I probably won't post this episode. There's too many glitches and loads, but I'll be able to chop up the audio and uh, go from there. So, yeah, check us out on Apple uh, Music or Apple Podcasts, Spotify spot Podcasts, Kill the Mockingbirds. I got a good uh, new one releasing Tuesday, Wednesday on there uh, with My Maria 777 So be on the lookout for that. And, uh, yeah, you know how we do it here. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. Uh, My bad for the technical difficulties. But uh, wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. We're not
2: done. We're not done. Fuck Elon. Fuck Elon.
6: And what am I doing here?